Welcome to Barrel Samples, where you can get a sample of the Canadian wine industry from the inside. Boom. Welcome back to Barrel Samples. Drink Canadian wine. That was great. <laughs> that might be our little intro. <laughs> Let me just get some. That's really tasty. What are you guys drinking? Or some Blue Mountains. Blue Mountain Bubs. Uh, our, I think we mentioned these guys last week, and our shipment came in, and we decided to open up 2014 Brut Reserve. 55% Chardonnay, 45% Pinot. And I think it's right around 60, maybe, or 55? Seven years Ooh. of bottle age before they get that yeast out of that bottle. Seven years entourage. Sir Lee? Yeah, forty nine ninety. Forty nine ninety. That's, I mean, this wine is very good. The toast on this is immaculate. That's like pulling a loaf of bread out of the oven, fresh mm. loaf cracking into it. Uh, but lemon cream, it's delicious. It's very good. It's very exciting. Mm. So the nice thing about having friends who drink wine is you can like you know get together on a little shippy shipment <laughs> and uh, pool your hard-earned cash and buy some fantastic canadian wine yep this sparkling is really 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 good has this sparkling won any awards um i don't know specifically on this one i'd have to check into it but that's a great question we're coming into award season at the winery we have to make some decisions as to what we're going to actually um submit and every year i ask myself What's our purpose doing this? What are we yeah. sort Why of does a winery compete? Doing this for? Yeah, I, it's not a small amount of money or energy or time or resources. There's a bunch of forms to fill out. All these wines have to be shipped and or consolidated. A um, bunch of information to fill in online about each of these awards and, and, you know, a group of people spending some time actually getting them together. And then you're paying, I don't know, anywhere from $80 to $150 per wine to submit to these competitions are there limitations on what you can submit uh yeah each competition is unique so you have to know sort of um what they allow and don't allow sometimes if you've competed with that wine the year before you can't resubmit sometimes there's a limit on how old a specific wine can be so if you're a winery that holds back vintages sometimes you're not allowed to compete in um different award shows there's a whole host and then you have to go and look at the award show so Who's doing the judging at the award show is very important and who's the audience that the award show is reaching. Mm. And the reason why who's doing the judging is because sometimes you run into situations where you know that a group of judges or a particular show doesn't like the styles of wines that either you make or your 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 winery um, makes. So, you know, it's going to be very difficult to necessarily win with that group. Um, and then sometimes you have just sort of these um really well-run competitions with very wide judges uh wide like sort of yeah i know yeah a a very wide like array of judges from different parts of the world that have different experiences and oftentimes you get sort of a really good aggregate scores against that i think it's very revealing as to um the wine's quality i mean for us personally um uh, marinison and um with some of the other companies that I work for, they're really looking to have recognition in the marketplace. 
And so get if you're your brand out there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. Marinison's been there for about 30 years, and people still, I see them at uh, events and stuff, and they're like, whoa, Marinison, is this a new winery? So we just did our label rebrands and decided not to keep the ancient ones. Um, so, yeah, getting some marketing out there, and people do tune into awards. Like, we've had some win awards, and then right after those awards get posted, we see sales of those products. And I and and for me personally, as a wine consumer, I'm often looking to those aggregate scores from competitions that I really like. And again, we talked about this before, where if you can align with um, particular writers or, or particular wine judges or particular competitions to know that when a wine is successful at that competition, you've really enjoyed it. And that's um, a really good decision. The wines that we enter, we often enter the ones that we feel are our best. And the other thing that this does is really informs us in our winemaking whether or not we're making the right decisions or going down the right path from a style point of view or achieving what's currently popular but or currently enjoyed but a lot of that is with um critics mm. yeah and it's not like they're just going yep you've got a medal and that's it they go through in depth what the wine's tasting like so are we seeing the same tasting notes and the same experience in that wine bottle as a panel of multiple judges is a good way to kind of ground yourself in your winemaking. Yeah. And I, like, I think it informs the, the direction, the style, whether we're on the right path or whether we need to make some adjustments overall. And then the rest of the wines that win awards, you go out and try to source and buy and taste and understand why it might or may not have been successful within a particular competition. Yeah. Like we were, we keep, our eye out for awards not just for submitting but then also the results from them and we jumped on that felsec 2018 chardonnay pretty quickly when it got the best chardonnay in the world oh should i repeat that yeah. best chardonnay <laughs> in the world so then when people are like mm, is canadian that good is it measuring up to those other things well the answer is a giant panel in the decanter world wine awards that is a very serious wine competition says yes yeah, I it, it was so it's it's so exciting to see that success in local wineries or Canadian wineries. I remember um, when I first started. Oh, and uh, sorry, that Felsec shard from Hidden Bench. I guess I should oh, probably sorry, mention Felsec that shard, Hidden Bench, twenty eighteen. Yeah, I think at the time it was like forty dollars, and it might have gone up about five dollars after they got the award because they were selling out so quickly. Yeah, and their single vineyards are usually priced around that point, and like for that money comparatively to, to other the rest of the world in Chardonnay but land. Yes. Really and so, well, what, yeah, I, it's really, really exciting. When I started at Inniskillen, so in 2007, Bruce had just come back from receiving best Shiraz in the world for a um, Shiraz that he made in Okanagan before he came back to Ontario, the old four grand reserve and just really elevates the status. Cause I mean, ice wines, we win at all the time, and and that last yeah. year at Decanter, I think we were gold on our uh, sparkling Vidal ice wine, which is a really exciting award. But um, with ice wines, I think we sort of know that we're making world class wines all the time. With our table wines, was the thing that um, I'm really excited about the energy that's sort of getting behind it. And so you had mentioned Decanter, um, and they just released an article reviewing all of the top scoring wines from last year's decanter world wine awards and often like those wines are competing against the world's best wines and scoring at the top from a set of international judges and i think what they were saying in that article or what they're 
discussing was exactly that is that there are Canadian wines that are starting to really um, change the opinion of what the quality of table wines is being produced in Canada. Yeah, it was called Canada Calling, and they just posted the article, um, I think it was January 3rd, and they had some a really good list, like Clausen Chase, um, which is a Prince Edward County um, winery, makes some fantastic Chards and Pinots, and they had their Chardonnay up there. A bit higher on the price point, $75, but I don't know. They, they put out some serious work, and that is a specific, their um, South Clo uh, skew, so it's not... They have other wines that are not as pricey as that um and then hidden bench made the list again with their pinot noir from 21 which is 37.75 like for a pinot noir at that price point i would grab that off the shelves pretty quickly and then i did want to mention 30 bench because not only are they on that list with two a meritage from 19 and a cab prong from 2020 but they have been getting some serious awards for their reds over the last couple of years, like they've been in those world competitions, getting awards um, for their wines. I think there was a 2017 30 bench back a couple of years, got a platinum at the decanter mm-hmm. as well. So like really putting some numbers up for Canada. Yeah. And so 30 bench, the winery that you're talking about there is a, is part of Andrew Peller limited. So it's a, a brand associated with one of the larger wine producers. But the truth is that like that company and Artera, which was Constellation and Vincor before that, um, those two companies, they're larger companies and they have, you know, a lot of volume and they're in a lot of places. The wines at the top end of their spectrum are sometimes some of the better values that we have um, in Canada, just because they have those economies of scale. They could be super competitive and super selective from a quality point of view at the top end, especially. And so those are often, um, yeah, like those companies are really, really focused on making sure that the wines at their top level are um, demonstrating a lot of excellence from a quality point of view. Mm. So that article is one way to see what was awarded at Decanter. As the consumer, how am I finding um, what award? I guess what awards am I paying attention to? In my experience, one that the ones that are the most challenging as a producer to sort of compete in, which I think are the ones that demonstrate um, or or put out some of the highest quality results. Um, the National Wine Awards of Canada is uh, and it, 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 so it's run by Wine Align. Um, David Larson just had an article last week about um, the growth in quality in Canadian wines. And and so really, again, I can't say enough about how excited I am about um, the energy coming from the outside behind promoting and and elevating and talking about the quality and the value that's available in Canadian wines now. And um, uh, David Larson's been a writer in Canada for... um, for a number of years and I read the article and, and, you know, it was high praise for the work that's being done um, at each of the wineries to really focus on understanding terroir and specific sites, but then also just to elevate quality right across the board. Um, so that's, he's part of the wine line group and, and those reviewers in the national wine awards of Canada, um, they reach out, they build a, a sort of larger um competition and that's one that I really like the results from um, both for me personally to grow um, as a winemaker but also to select wines to to taste and try as a consumer 
internationally, there's the International Wine and Spirits competition, as well as Decanter World Wine Awards. Those are my two favorite international competitions to sort of follow and spend any time researching. And then here in Ontario, the Ontario Wine Awards, um, they're just sort of picking back up under new management. So I'm excited to see what they do with those um, changes. And uh, the All-Canadian Wine Championships uh, gives you a pretty solid um, um, wide list. They do a bunch of varietal awards. Um, so the particular yeah, and specific and, for uh, styles and, and price points. And price points. So it, it gives you a good picture as a consumer. If you're either just getting into it or if you want to look for more wines in Chardonnay. And you have some specific things, yeah, that you want to look for. If you're looking for Chardonnays under 20, they have one of those. As like, an award, yeah. That's a, yeah, so those things would be very specific for the consumer. And so these are aggregate scores um, created by a group of uh, either wine writers or wine professionals that sort of sit in a room and taste a whole bunch of wine over and over again um, to get to this end point to... Um, to present these awards. And so sure the award is prestigious, but if I'm a consumer, the other thing that it does is at least, you know, um, select through a bunch of the stuff that I might not want to see. Now on the other side of it is as a winery, we're submitting wines that we think are the best to those competitions. So if you're finding wines that you don't necessarily like, as we talked about before, find a winery that you like or a winemaker, wine producer mm -hmm. that you like, and, and you could stick with them. Generally those styles stay pretty consistent, but, um, Wine Awards is one way to find new producers um, to to get involved with and to, to find out more about the wines that they have. And one of the nice things about the aggregate score is like if you're looking for a wine for yourself, we had kind of talked about finding that reviewer that resonates with you. But if you're looking for a crowd pleaser, something to bring to the party so you can be that cool person with good Canadian wine that you're bringing to a party, then those aggregate scores are going to be just that, a bunch of people coming together, tasting it, critically analyzing that wine, and then coming up with a score. So it's kind of guaranteed to make everybody in the room happy if it made a bunch of uh, wine people happy in that sense. Nice. Am I stupid or can someone explain what aggregate means? <laughs> the aggregate scores is just... Um, the awards competitions are often driven by a group of people tasting the wines blind, giving them their own individual scores, and then the ones that have an average or an aggregate score oh, it's so a like higher average. amount. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's, so it's, it's a collection. It's pulled from a larger group of people. Oftentimes in those rooms, you'll have specific groups that are responsible for tasting through specific styles, meaning that if there's 50 judges in a competition, it doesn't mean that they all taste every wine out of that maybe 15 are pulled to one area and gotcha. they say you you focus on aromatic whites and, and they only taste the aromatic white wines group oh. um to get to like the final and oftentimes they're sort of retasted at the final and and um and that score is confirmed oh cool um but but they're pulled from a, a larger group as opposed to single wine writers like chris waters writing about a wine and, and writing a review that's that's just his review right or if you're reading wine align and and it's john john zabo that's given something a 92 well that's just his specific score by himself whereas the score and the medal associated with those wines at a competition is is the result of a, a number of uh, wine credits giving it a score or Rick coming by and tasting 10 different delicious Rieslings in one day. That's really, that, I'm really <laughs> excited to see what his article was and what his thoughts were. He keeps things pretty close to the, to the vest when we're, um, when we're talking about what, when he's there sort of doing reviews or, or 
um, or doing that. Assessing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but Wines in Niagara, um, Rick Vansicle came by and, and, um, and he's been on a run to sort of reinvigorate the energy behind Riesling. And uh, we've talked, uh, like I've talked on a couple of podcasts recently um, about Riesling and about maybe some of the challenges we have in the marketplace. And I'm trying with Fogelar, my, my brand, to communicate a little bit better as the style that the consumer can expect in the bottle, but I haven't 100% got there yet. But either way, we poured him 10 Rieslings of different styles, different sweetness levels, different winemaking approaches, and uh, it seemed like he was really excited. I'm really excited about them. Like, it'd been a while since I tried a lot of these wines. Yeah, that was pretty fun for us. (laughs) (laughs) It'd been a while since I tried some of them, and just to see how they're expressing in bottle after uh, this amount of time, um, it it sort of, like, demonstrates that we made maybe the right decisions in the cellar, and, and the continued focus to understand vineyard expression and to allow those wines from very specific places to to show i think it's been the right decision yeah and then we tasted some wines after they had been open for five days and they're still fresh and vibrant just a testament to how ageable and delicious riesling is 100 percent. gonna stick with that variety at least for another several years we may have to do a little riesling lineup uh live on the pod it sounds like a really good mm-hmm. idea. Like Just it. a whole podcast deep diving into Riesling. <laughs> deep diving into Riesling. I mean, that might be episode three. Mm-hmm. I mean, we make two different Rieslings at Marinissen, at least, um, if you don't include our blends. But very How many do distinct. you have during a vintage right now, Mark? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have three what? to five. <laughs> three to five. Yeah, <laughs> we have a lot of different per Rieslings vintage. in the cellar. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> And then choose out the best. Sorry, yeah, I was thinking I, bottled skews. Let's get into it. Deep dive into Riesling. Maybe Sweet. that's episode number three. Sounds good. Um, anything we missed about award shows or the reviews that come out of it? Maybe I just wanted to say that they are really good for wineries. I know we talked about the marketing aspect, but like the psychology behind an award is not just because it's gold, it's shiny, I want it. It's that stamp of approval from other people who kind of know what they're talking about if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and that kind of way you can ease the fear of trying something new is what awards kind of do it gives you that kind of understanding that somebody else has tried this and said yes this is of quality and it makes it a little bit easier on the consumer so if we're looking at buying canadian wines and we're trying to figure out how to navigate that um area and we are cautious about spending x amount of dollars and want to get a good return for our money then looking through award shows again like decanter and whack awc um, and then yeah they're not all gonna be wines just for you so then you have to put that context in that we talked about last podcast um, we're looking at what you enjoy from a personal level and then applying that to those award shows could really pay off pretty good. Like, I don't think we've gone and got one and been like, hmm, I don't see this metal um, being in there. Most of those wines were pretty <laughs> sweet and pretty good and definitely worth the money. Yeah, I, I'd have to say sort of like as a you, on the more purist winemaker side, you, you sort of look at wine competitions and you say, well, I'm still making good wines, whether I win an award with it or not. But um, when I change my hat, I know that from a consumer point of view, there's at least a guarantee that um, 
that it's been reviewed and and sort of approved by at least this group of people. And so I think um, for me, what the important thing is to, to sort of communicate is you just have to make sure that the competitions that you're purchasing those wines against are competitions that um, that have set themselves up to be um, relatively consistent, um, not have any sort of bias, not have super high percentage awards because some award shows are set up um, to more collect wineries monies and everybody gets awards the ones that i've sort of listed here are are really challenging competitions to to win awards in consistently mm. and i think the selection process is sort of um, blind enough and 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 tight enough and then the the judges are often um uh, experienced enough that that the outcomes from that aggregate are, are really solid in terms of determining what, what what's quality and then I'm sure that uh, most people would understand this, but just because it doesn't have an award doesn't mean that it's not a good wine. And we had talked about what do wineries have to do to get in. It's not only um, that effort of submitting all that stuff and that that caught literal you have to pay to get into the competition as they have to pay the tasters and all that other stuff. But there's also sometimes case limitations. And I know that like some of your Rieslings won't ever go into a competition because there's just not enough volume behind them. So there's some quality wines you can find that aren't associated with awards as well. And that's more of a, is the winery weighing that cost benefit analysis? Mm. Is the volume enough to even meet the requirements? Does it even fit in? We talked about all of the sections of um, all Canadian wine championship and sometimes your wines don't fit into one of those categories even though it is robust and has like a lot of different categories you can submit to sometimes you're making something that doesn't really have a place in there so there's also that consideration we had lots of wines don't see wine awards at all but using the better wine awards is a great way to to find canadian wines that i think uh that you have a higher percentage of loving i think the, the final thing I wanted to say on this was that the difference between a gold and a silver and a bronze often isn't as it's much as tight. we... It's like <laughs> those wines are race. all very good. It's nice to talk about those top, top scoring wines and, and um, it's nice to try them to sort of try to figure out what our winemaking needs to do to to be in that upper echelon. But I I know that uh, like each of those awards and the wines um, that all win awards, there's a lot of value, you know, all the way up and down um, the, the scoring. Yeah, even in that bronze category, it doesn't mean that it's the worst category because there's a lot of things that aren't scoring or there's sometimes even a level below bronze that um, doesn't make it. And there's still that baseline of quality to even get into that award, like actually getting an award for that wine. Yep. So yeah, for I'll sure. consider that. As a, as a bronze metal winemaker, <laughs> I would I would say consider some bronze. You've won too. gold. I know. I'm just having fun. We got one last year. But like this blue blue mountain reserve is Ooh, fantastic. It's so delicious. And I did do some googling while we were uh, podcasting. I didn't see any awards for this, but I would like wholeheartedly. They most likely don't compete with it. Well, they don't need to. Production levels are very small, but. And I know they sell out pretty. So that's the other thing is like if you're. If you've got your marketing, people know what you have. They know your product's good. And maybe you're not even looking at award shows because mm-hmm. you don't need to. Right. Yep. Um, anything, any of the wines that we talked about today uh, or the award shows or articles will be linked in the description of this podcast if you want to f- go and find them, buy them, try them. Yeah, them. and you should. I mean, like a lot of that stuff we're talking about is pretty recent. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this podcast now, those vintages should still be on the shelf. Yeah. 
Our our ice wine sparkling has just sold out, so you can't find that at Marinison, but you can find the 22, which I put just as much love and care into. (laughs) If not more. Excellent. Last words, guys. Drink it in the wine. Barrel samples.